Hey everyone, Pastor Steve here with our midweek message of Scatter Groups. We have just one more lesson, one more uh, session together next time, and it'll be a preview night. So uh, please invite someone you think that may be interested, and we'll be resuming these in January with a brand new Bible study that we'll be conducting. We have a new ministry opportunity for men. We're just taking the first 16 guys that want to sign up and commit. It's a nine or 10 session study that we're gonna be doing once a month, Saturday mornings on the second Saturday of the month. Second Saturday of the month from nine o'clock to 10 o'clock and a Bible study mentoring men, uh, forging men is what the, we'll call our, our time together. And the first nine or 10 studies are gonna be about being a parent, being a dad, being a grandparent, being a good parent to your adult kids. Uh, it's going to be men challenging, mentoring, encouraging, holding accountable other men. And so the second uh, Saturday morning of each month, unless we otherwise specify. And so guys, go ahead and commit to this. We're starting next month. So just in a few weeks is our first one. And we're taking 16, we're limiting the groups to 16. So go ahead and sign up, commit. If we have a lot of guys sign up, we'll start a second group and maybe host it at a different time or something. But uh, I'll participate in this and I hope that you'll participate in it as well. There's a sign up sheet that uh, we're gonna be having uh, out in the lobby. Somebody will have that and we hope that you'll uh, take advantage of this uh, to encourage other guys. It's going to be real and personal and uh, very helpful. So here we are in in First Corinthians chapter 15. So go ahead and find that and we'll pray. Thanks for a great turnout for the men's event and good participation. Uh, we're really blessed with everything with that. We had a great Sunday recently and uh, we're just really blessed. God's done a lot of great things in our church and I hope that he's continuing to work in your life, that you're seeing that and that he's working in your home family as well. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll continue. Lord, thank you for a great time to uh, gather once again for this next to last uh, scatter uh, season session. Teach us more about the resurrection. We're so thankful for Christ being alive and let this phenomenal truth affect each of us today and in the days ahead. Thank you for these good hosts opening their homes and people coming. And uh, some of the groups have had good meals and have uh, fellowship like that. And we thank you for the good discussions that we've had uh, all this season long and the, the prayer requests that you've answered. And so, Lord, just uh, bless each of these participants tonight. And also, uh, we commit this time as we open the scriptures to, to you that uh, you would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here we are, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. There is no Christianity without the resurrection. There's no Christianity without the resurrection. You can have a lot of other doctrine and a lot of other ideas, a lot of other creeds, a lot of other statements of faith, but listen, they're, they're not worth anything if Jesus is not alive. If his bones were discovered, if the tomb was not empty, there is no Christianity. But Jesus is alive. Hundreds of people saw him post crucifixion and the tomb is empty his bones have never been discovered because they don't exist they're they're still in him in his transformed body but there's no christian doctrine no christian doctrine would be believable were it not for the resurrection 
of Jesus. Speaking of the resurrection, apologist Gary Habermas says, it is not a standalone event, but must be taken in the context of the entire Christian message. Everything that we believe as Christians, what our church believes, or any church that is a follower of Christ, any individual who is a follower of Christ, what they believe is affected by this doctrine, this truth, this reality of the resurrection. And because of that, here's the main idea. We have something real to believe in because Jesus is alive. We have something real to believe in because Jesus is alive. So let's just look at a few of these doctrines that we can believe in because the Bible tells us and we know that Jesus is alive. So 1 Corinthians 15 verse 13, But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he hath, he hath raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. Paul is making this case that if there is no resurrection, there is no Christianity. In fact, if there's no overall resurrection, he's talking about end times, that there'll be a resurrection. The Pharisees and Sadducees would always debate about this. Jesus gets caught up in that sometimes, and uh, Paul does as well with uh, their ongoing dialogue and debate throughout the New Testament. But the, the doctrine here of uh, Christology is affected, and there is no Christianity if Jesus Christ is not alive. If there is no resurrection, then there is no other doctrine that would be validated. The, the resurrection validates what we claim to believe and what we know of the Holy Scriptures and of, of the Bible teaching. Um, God is not dead. There's a film series. I think there's three, maybe four films in that series, and they may be very compelling and encouraging or entertaining, but also very faith-affirming. And uh, you may like those, God is not dead, one, two, three, or four, pick one and watch it. You may really like that. The resurrection proves that Jesus is the son of the living God. So everything that he claimed, that he said, that he taught, was not only verified by the miracles, but the greatest miracle, the resurrection itself. It's the miracle of miracles, proving he's the son of God. Peter and Jesus discuss who Jesus is. We're talking about Christology. Christology is the doctrine of Christ, and they talk about who Jesus is. This is right before the, the crucifixion and the resurrection. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, this is in the northernmost part of Israel, up near Lebanon, where there's more potential fighting about to come uh, take place. He asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they say, they said, say, some say thou art John the Baptist, others uh, Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What a great statement of faith. That's a Christology statement. It's also a kind of a soteriology or salvation statement. Peter is affirming Jesus is the Son of God. This is, again, before the crucifixion and before the uh, resurrection. But there is no message to preach about Christ if he's not alive, and there's no good news to share if Christ is not alive. So 
the, all the other doctrines are affected. Christology is one of them. Who is Jesus Christ? He is the Son of God. He's the risen Son of God. Number two, second doctrine that we'll look at is the doctrine of soteriology. This would be the doctrine of salvation. The doctrine of salvation. That's also found in verse 17. If Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, and ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If all we have is hope in Jesus and Jesus isn't alive, then we don't have anything. We're of all men most miserable. If there is no resurrection, those preceding verses, if the dead are not resurrected to life, Christ included, then, then we don't have soteriology. We don't have salvation. We have a faith in something that is invalid and not authentic and not real. But he's making this case that, no, we do have a doctrine of soteriology because Jesus is alive. Salvation is not possible without the perfect sacrifice of the perfect Lamb of God, that being Jesus. For hundreds and thousands of years, you had the Jewish people reenacting the cross before it with all of these these sacrifices that they would perform yearly and monthly, uh, some, some would be quarterly and uh, weekly and daily and sometimes in the morning, sometimes in the p.m., in the evening. And all of these sacrifices were a picture of that perfect ultimate sacrifice of Jesus and uh, they were demonstrating that ahead of time. Didn't even know it, some of them, but they were really pointing the way to the perfect sacrifice of Christ. But faith in a dead God is empty and vain and worthless. That's why it's such an amazing thing. That because Christ is alive, we definitely know we have the doctrine of soteriology. We have salvation available to us. Salvation, Habermas writes, in his person and salvation message, he challenged his listeners with a decision to respond to the reign of God. Jesus also taught that the future form of the kingdom of God would enter history on a grander scale, identified by his return, the resurrection of the dead and judgment. And so this uh, salvation message is validated and even the future that we have because we're saved with Christ is all uh, we know that it'll take place because that Jesus is alive. And the wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3, 23. But here's Jesus. He rescues us. He saves us from our sin, from death, from hell. And all we do is believe. It's an authentic belief, and it does change. We repent from our sin. We turn to Christ. And he changes us from the inside out. He writes our name in the Lamb's Book of Life, begins construction on our place in heaven, and it affects us today in our life, in our disposition, in the fruit of the Spirit, in evidencing that Christ is in our life. But we place our faith. It all begins with faith or belief. In Acts 16.31, here's the Philippian jailer, Paul and Silas. They look over. They didn't escape after the earthquake. They could have run away. And he, he springs in. He's about to kill himself. I'm, I'm dead meat. The, the other Roman soldiers, they're going to kill me because uh, these, guys, these soldiers left on my post, on my watch. And he springs himself in, shines a light, and uh, the guys are still there. And he's so impressed by their integrity 
that he says, what? He says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And here's the response in Acts 16, 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Have you believed in Christ for yourself? What is this word believe or faith? Pistuo, it means to think to be true, to be persuaded of, to credit or to place confidence in. I'm placing my complete confidence in the resurrected Christ. Therefore, I can have salvation both today and forever. Salvation from our sins. Christians would lead useless lives and we would have no hope if Christ is not alive. So there's a third doctrine. This is an exciting one. Eschatology. Eschatology, the doctrine of end times or last things. And that's brought up in verse 20 to 23. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man death uh, came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, that means he's the first of the rest. Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming, then cometh the end, end times, eschatology, the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he, has, he shall have put down all rule and authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all his enemies under his feet. This is the doctrine of eschatology. The first Adam caused this sin problem. Blame it on Adam. Eve was deceived. Adam went into that sin moment, eyes wide open. He knew he was transgressing and rebelling against God's clear command. But the second Adam, the second Adam, that's Jesus. The first Adam, the original man, the second Adam, he comes to rescue us, to save the day. He solved the sin problem. It was foretold in Genesis 3, just after the fall of man and the sin that took place, that there would be a proto-evangelum, someone who would come and rescue, to save, to deliver his people from their sins. That's in Genesis 3, verse 15. And so it is written in 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-five: the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Friends, humanity is redeemed, purchased, paid for at the cross of Jesus. And this redemption is all complete for those believers in Christ. It's completed at the resurrection. When that raptured trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive shall meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. In that moment, you get a new glorified body. It's your body right now, but transformed and changed. It's the future we have to look forward to. This is eschatology at its finest. It's so exciting to see this in Philippians 3.21. I've said this verse at many gravesides. Many gravesides. I usually save this verse for the graveside. Jesus shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Philippians chapter 3, verse 21. See, we're not all going to sleep, he says. We're all going to be changed. This transformation takes place in the future at the rapture, at, at the rapture when the resurrection takes place. So, in that moment, sin, death, and hell are all defeated. 
or at least that defeat is realized. Jesus already defeated sin, death, and hell when he walked out of the tomb, when he resurrected. Revelation 20 tells us, The devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. What a day that would be. That's something that we look forward to because Jesus is alive when Satan is no longer going to be around to deceive us or to hurt us. The sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works, and death and hell, they both were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And so we're looking forward to this day when the victory is realized. The victory's already been afforded by Jesus at the cross and in his resurrection. But uh, eschatology, end times, future things, there's a lot to look forward to as things are unfolding around the world. Uh, we know that every day, no matter what happens right now, no matter what happens, every day we're a little bit closer to Christ coming back for us. And uh, it's valid because Jesus is alive. So what are some other doctrines that are affected by the resurrection of Jesus. Now, theology, theos and ology. Theos is God. Ology or logos, logos, that's uh, words or speech. So, theology are words about God. That could be affected. There's other ones. In just a moment, there'll be some uh, questions for discussion. Share some of those different doctrines that you're familiar with in your discussion. Uh, talk about some of those and how the resurrection certainly impacts and affects it. We have something real to believe in because Jesus is alive. Thanks for participating. Take some time to discuss and then pray with your group. God bless.